the challenge of a heavy heart when we feel the weight of the world upon us, when we feel the, the crushing burdens upon us, and sometimes it's a result of our, of our choices, our own choices, where do we find relief? Well, friends, we've got good news. We've got good news. Psalm 32, it's written by David. And it, and it may say maskil. It's a Hebrew word, and it means a poem for instruction. It's, it's to teach us. David writes, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man in whom, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, that word transgression, what does that mean? Well, it's a, we, we've heard that word. Well, it's a breach of trust. It means rebellion. Rebellion. And, and doesn't that define sin at its very core? Rebellion. David says, how blessed, and that word blessed actually can be translated happy. How blessed, how happy is the man whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whose sin is engulfed with pardon, wrapped with pardon. How blessed, how happy is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Again, words we've heard, a lot of us have heard a lot of times, but maybe we don't know what they mean or they're unclear. What is iniquity? Well, the iniquity, the guilt to impute, what does impute and iniquity mean? Well, the iniquity, the guilt is not counted against the man. It's not counted and so for David to point out the blessing of forgiveness for rebellion, for David to point out the blessing of his sin being covered, for David to proclaim the blessing of not having his guilt counted against him. Mm. What does this mean? Well, it means a couple of things. It means that sin, rebellion, guilt are all real. If we think about what we see in Scripture that, that sin is real. And that sin, rebellion, guilt, it, it all has to be addressed in order to have the blessing of forgiveness. And, and forgiveness is one of the blessed aspects of having a relationship with the Lord. Did you know that? Being blessed, being, being happy, having a life which is abundant and free only happens by having a relationship with the Lord. And that means having those things about us called out which need to be called out. How blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no deceit. There's, no, there's nothing false. There's no treachery. And David, there's nothing now for David to hide. That's good news. But what about earlier? What about earlier? Look there at verse 3. We're going to see the challenge... We're going to see the challenge of the heavy heart. Verse 3, David writes, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. While I was silent about my sin, when I was being false, my body wasted away. And some, some of your translations might read, My bones became brittle. David says, For day and night your hand, Lord, your hand was heavy upon me, and my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then there's a word, Selah, and these were used in 
worship, and that is a pause or maybe a musical marking for a musical interlude, some kind of accompaniment. It can mean a few different things. It's, it's a worship psalm. So we'll see that word selah throughout this psalm. So that's what that means. But, but this idea of the vitality being drained away, this picture of that, it, the heaviness, continual day and night. You see, that's the problem with keeping secrets. Sin will take a toll. Sin will take often a physical toll, an emotional, mental toll. And the Lord's Spirit brings continual conviction upon one's actions and lifestyle. David said, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My unconfessed sin was was a burden it was too heavy to bear. And, and David says, my vitality has drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Whew. These last few weeks, we've, we've had a change from spring damp and cool to sunny and hot. And, and while we're not at summer heat, fever heat yet, we know what it's like to, be, to feel drained due to humidity. Can you imagine... Sin wearing one out in that same way. That's what sin will do. David says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I didn't hide. I didn't hide my guilt. My blame, I didn't hide it from you. Which is interesting Because the Lord sees all. It's funny, sometimes our confusion, we feel like we can hide things from God. You know the story about David, probably. David seduced Bathsheba. David had her husband Uriah murdered. Tried to cover it up. The prophet Nathan called David out. He rebuked David. He called David out. The Lord sees all. And, and David, he wrote some other words. In Psalm 139, well-known and well-loved, he writes, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways even before there's a word on my tongue. Behold, Lord, you know it all. David, he gives acknowledgement to his sin. He, there's, a, there's a confession of, of transgression and, and good news. Good news. There's forgiveness of the guilt of the sin by the Lord. The Lord forgives the sin. And David knew the joy of forgiveness. Psalm 51, when David writes, after Nathan had called him out, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my wrongdoings. And my sin is constantly before me. David would write in verse 9 of Psalm 51, Hide your face from my sins. What? Well, do you know that when Jesus went to the cross, 
the sinless Lamb of God and He went to the cross and He took all of our sins upon Him, His Father hid His face from His Son because the Lord is holy and the Lord cannot look at sin. David says, hide your face from my sins, wipe out all my guilty deeds, create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In that same 51st Psalm, David writes in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. And then David says this, Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways. I'm going to instruct them. Sinners will be converted to you. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God, you will not despise. Look there at verse 6, here in Psalm 32. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. What does that mean? Years after David's reign, the prophet Isaiah quoted what David said regarding seeking the Lord and, and knowing that we can be forgiven of sin. In Isaiah 55, I want you to write this down, Isaiah 55. Verse 6, Isaiah says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked abandon his way and let the unrighteous person his thought. And let him return to the Lord. Correct him, Father. And the Lord, he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for the Lord, our God, will abundantly pardon That's good news. He will pardon sin. Sin is real. Wickedness is real. But you know what? So is forgiveness. Thanks be to God. Confession is essential in in seeking forgiveness. It's essential. And David says in verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. And surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. Throughout the Bible... Many times we see water equated with trouble. Do you remember when Jonah was commanded by the Lord to to go to bring a message of, of judgment to Nineveh? Jonah got this message, got this direction, and, and so Jonah booked passage on a boat heading the opposite direction. He didn't want to be obedient to what the Lord was telling him to do, so he goes in the opposite direction. And what happens? The Lord hurls a great storm on the sea. And the sailors, they become afraid. And Jonah, he's down below in the stern. He's asleep. And the captain says, wake up and pray to your God. We're all praying to whatever we pray to, whoever we pray to, because we need help. We've got this great storm. And and to determine who's at fault, the sailors, they cast lots, and the lot falls on Jonah. And Jonah, so he fesses up who he is who he represents, and who he's running from, and the sailors become terrified. Jonah says, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will become calm. Well, they're afraid to do that. But Jonah says, the sea will become calm because I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. And so they pray. They pray to Jonah's God, and then they pick Jonah up, they hurl Jonah into the sea, and the sea stops its raging. And they come, <laughs> they come to trust the Lord because of seeing his mighty act there. 
And later on in Matthew 8, it's a similar picture. The disciples, they're on a boat and, and there's a storm. Storm whips up. Jesus, he's asleep and what happens? Well, the disciples, they go to Jesus and they wake him saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And Jesus replies, Why are you afraid? You men of little faith, and Jesus, he gets up, and, and Matthew 8 tells us that he rebukes the winds and the sea. And it becomes perfectly calm. And the, the men are amazed, and they say, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and, and the sea obey him? Whew. Why does David say that even in the flood, there in Psalm 32, that he's safe? Verse 7, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. David trusts the Lord and hides in him rather than hide in his sin, his, his guilt. My hiding place, my, my covering, my shelter all mean the same thing there. David is surrounded he is encompassed, he is he's engulfed, he's covered by deliverance that comes only from the Lord. And rather than hide in our guilt, we too can hide in the Lord. Then there's a change of speaker. The Lord himself speaks there in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Here we see instruction and direction and counsel from a watchful God. And, and then there's this interesting comparison made in verse 9. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. The prophet Jeremiah he speaks to this comparison. In Jeremiah chapter 8, the prophet says this, Why has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in continued apostasy? And that word apostasy, what does that mean? Merriam-Webster defines the word apostasy as it's an act of refusing to continue to follow, to obey, or recognize a religious faith. And so Jeremiah says of Jerusalem, they hold on to deceit. They, they refuse to return. I've listened and I've heard that they've spoken what isn't right. No one is repenting of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Everyone has turned to his own course like a horse charging into battle. The Lord is saying in Psalm 32, don't be like the horse which strains to go his own way. Don't be stubborn like the mule. Don't refuse to take correction. Be humble. And sometimes the challenge of a heavy heart is due to our own stubbornness, isn't it? David says the following in verse 10. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness, shall surround him. Many sorrows, much heartache, possibly by hidden sin or perhaps stubbornness, 
perhaps unwilling to take direction, challenges of a heavy heart. But he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Surrounded by loving kindness, engulfed, covered, hidden by the Lord's promised loyalty to his children. The the one who not only seeks forgiveness from sins, but who also trusts the Lord to, to give direction and correction, that one is making the Lord the hiding place. In essence, being surrounded by him. If you and I trust the Lord, if we seek his forgiveness, but we seek his guidance, we ask him to be Lord, this is going to bring us into peace and gladness. How did David begin this psalm? How blessed, how happy. The one who has confessed and turned and turned to the Lord. And, and the last verse this morning, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. All you righteous ones, shout for joy. All you who are upright in heart. David ends here in a similar way to which he began. David is upbeat. He, he's, he's pointing us to the Lord. Be blessed in the Lord because of what he's done. The Lord is surrounding the ones who trust and follow him with his loving kindness. He's surrounding them with his loving kindness. The ones who trust him, the ones who follow him. He becomes a hiding place for all of us who come to him in humility. He covers us. He he covers us. There's a powerful story that, that points to this covering. It points to this idea of, of rebelliousness on our part, contrasted to the, to the Lord and His loving kindness. Israel was a stubborn people. The Lord, they're, they're like us. Israel is stubborn. The Lord is fed up. And the Lord has led Israel out of slavery in Egypt to go to the promised land. And they've grumbled the entire time. And in Exodus 33, the Lord says to Moses, he, he says, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promised land, saying, To your descendants I'll give it all. And the Lord says, Go from here, go there, I'm going to send an angel before you, and I will drive out all the pagan peoples of the land. And there's a list in Exodus 33. There's, there's several. I'll drive them. This angel will drive them all out. You go. I'm sending the angel. Go to that land of, of milk and honey. But then the Lord says this. But I will not go up in your midst. Because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. Wow. In Exodus 33, verse 4, we read, When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning. In verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. But then if I found favor in your sight, Lord, in any way, please let me know your ways so that I may know you 
in order, amen, that, that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And the Lord says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Leave us to die in the wilderness if you will not go with us. How can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? They were to be different. They wanted to be like everybody else, but they were to be different. And in coming days, they would continue to want to be like everybody else. But the Lord wanted them to be different, wanted them to be set apart. And the Lord says to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you've spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. And then Moses says one more thing. Please show me your glory. The Lord replies, he says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. But you cannot see my face for mankind shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, there's a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you, cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. What's hard to remember? I think sometimes man's always been sinful. And the Lord has always been holy. <laughs> and like Moses, we, we cannot behold His glory unless we are covered by Him. Surrounded by Him. Hidden in Him. God gave us Himself in order to cover our sinfulness. Did you know that? Jesus, God Himself who knew no sin, became our sin for us so that we could be covered in His righteousness alone, not our do-goodery, but in His righteousness. Jesus alone is our hope for the heaviness of the sin in our hearts. Jesus alone. At the very beginning of Psalm 32, David spoke of the blessings of forgiveness. The benefits, the blessings of, of confessing sin. And David said in verse 6, Let everyone pray to you in a time when you may be found. What does this imply? Is there a time when it will be too late to pray? We saw in our study back at the end of the year in Matthew 24 that the Son of Man will return. 
And verse 30 says that the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Jesus, the Son of God, will come as righteous judge on that last day. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that the Lord says, In the time, time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. And Paul says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Today, now, is the day of salvation. There's a scripture that I want to remind you of. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. This says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, as Lord, when we confess Jesus as Lord, we are saying, Lord, I know that you could die to save me, but I also know that you want me to follow you and to be obedient to you. That's what lordship means. And Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's trusting in the salvation that he offers, but it's also trusting in his lordship. Friends, that's good news. And today is the day to find relief for the heavy heart. Today is the day.